Get fired up, Found Springs. Are you guys fired up? Yes, that's awesome. I'm so excited to be back with you again. It's always such a great thing when I see Rapid City on the itinerary and be able to see what God is doing in and through you guys. It's incredible. And uh, I love your pastor and the staff here so much. And uh, man, we've really become friends, and it's amazing uh, to really be able to do ministry together. And it's exciting to be able to talk about. Uh, this topic today of the fear of finances. Has anyone here, would you be willing to admit that you've ever felt fear with some so- sort of thing related to your money? You've re- at least once in your life. You know, maybe it's the, you've lost your wallet. Has anybody ever lost your wallet or purse before? Woo! That'll cause some fear. I remember uh, the first time I did that, um, I was about eight years old. My brother had flown in from Houston, Texas, and I had gotten a Velcro wallet for Christmas. Some of you know what that, I mean, it announced that you were wealthy because you'd open it and it would make that Velcro sound, right? It was awesome. And I had like $31 from Christmas. I mean, I was wealthy beyond measure. And uh, back in those days, we would take people back to the airport and everybody would go to the gates. I don't know if any of you remember that. And uh, I went and I bought my brother a newspaper. Because that we used to buy newspapers also, and uh, and uh, I put my wallet on top of the newspaper stand, put in some coins, bought the paper, and walked away and left my wallet. Get fired up, and uh, I got negative fired up because I realized about ten minutes later that I'd left it there, and I raced back there, and my wallet was there, but it was missing all the money, and that was awful. It was terrible. It was the brokest I've ever felt in my life. I was going to be broke forever after that, and I couldn't buy any stompers. Some of you know what I was talking about, stompers, little cars that would drive around. It was awesome. And, uh, and then I also felt fear once. Uh, we started winning with our money, and we decided to use cash envelopes. Has anybody ever, ever done that moment before? And we used cash envelopes, and at the start of the month, we'd pull out cash so that we wouldn't overspend it. And uh, believe it or not, I went to go meet with Dave Ramsey and had a one-on-one meeting with him, and... Uh, we left and we stopped at a McDonald's because it fit our budget, the dollar menu did. And uh, my wife left the purse with all of our grocery money, dining out money, spending money for the month, left it in a seat at a McDonald's in Brentwood, Tennessee, and we drove seven hours home to South Carolina. And we did not discover it until we got home that it was gone. Have you ever felt fear like that? And we realized the last time we saw it was McDonald's. So we called McDonald's, and they said they had not seen such a purse. And then they went out and looked at the seat, and it was still there. And she called and said, I found the purse, but I have no money to mail it back to you. Can I use some of the money that I found in here to mail it back? Yes! And all the money was there. Can you believe it? The goodness of people, it is great. And so that's fear. But we've also felt other types of fear. I can tell you one of the greatest moments of fear that I ever experienced 
uh, was I was gone on a vacation with my family, and we got back to our house, and we pulled up right as evening was approaching, and our garage door was open. Not only was our garage door open, but the door into the house was open. Woo! Special feelings of fear. And so uh, I remember going into the house with special baseball bat and lots of, you know, I was sneaking, I was putting on the sneaky sneak. And, uh, you know, it turned out that uh, we ended up leaving the door open for an entire week and nothing really happened. It's pretty amazing. But there's some fear related with that. And uh, the truth is, we all have felt fear when it comes to our finances at some point in time or another. Uh, maybe it's when we face financial challenges or obstacles, our car breaks down, we have no money, or we hear about layoffs, or maybe our 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K, like back in 2009. And there could be special fear related to it. Uh, maybe it's when you read this type of statistic that it costs, on average, to get a child from age 0 to age 17, it costs, on average in America, $233,610. Get fired up. So parents, if you're feeling financial pressure or stress, just look at your kids and now you know the reasons for that. And so financial pressure, maybe, maybe you felt financial fear or certainly uncertainness when you like, got your first job and you got exposed to a retirement plan, right? And they started talking about all these letters and numbers like your 401k, 403b, your military people, TSP, SEP IRA, Simple IRA, Roth IRA, Regular IRA, and you're like, I have no idea. And there's some fear. And then when they tell you you can invest in it, but it might like disappear in your investment. And that didn't sound good. Uh, maybe it's that moment when you went to buy your first house. And those of you remember, who, if you bought your first house, you know what it's like, right? That first house and you're spending, you know, a couple, three years worth of money right? And you sign this document that basically says for 30 years, they're going to, you're owned by a home or you own a home. You're not sure which. Kind of feels like you're owned by it. And there can be fear related to that. And so we're going to talk about that today. And I hope that it will be very helpful to you to overcome that. And since we're going to overcome the fear of finances, I thought it'd be helpful if we had a definition of the word fear. You might be exciting to know from dictionary.com that it's, the, it's a noun. Isn't that exciting? And fear is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid. And, you know, this is something that God knew that we would experience. And uh, that's why Jesus came and he is the prince of what? Peace, right? Not of fear. That's the opposite of fear. And so when we look at this passage of scripture that Jesus shared... Uh, that we're getting ready to read, Matthew 6. It's incredible. Jesus shares this. Now, we start in verse 25, but I want to share that right before this, in verse 21, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your, help me Bible scholars, heart will be also. So he's connecting the fact that wherever our money is, our heart goes with it. Um, and wherever our heart is, our money will flow to that. So that's why we spend so much on our kids. And so then in verse 24, the verse right before this, he says that you cannot serve two masters, right? And you cannot serve both God and money or mammon. Like, not, not, it didn't say God and Satan. He said God and money. And it's there that Jesus says that money can be the number one competitor for our hearts. And then he goes into this great statement. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And so he's saying that you should not worry. And so I got a definition of the word worry. Um, It's a verb, and it's to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts or fret. And so he's saying you shouldn't do this worrying thing. And so I kind of, you know, we know that there's synonyms that go with the word worry. And if he's saying don't do that, then the opposite of that is antonyms. This is really good for all you English teachers, right? And so let's look at the antonyms of worrying. Here's some words that are the opposite of worry. Calm, content, ease, peace, quiet. So let me ask you the question. When it comes to your money, do these words describe how you feel about it? Or is it more related to fear? Because decisions born out of fear are not decisions rooted in Christ. And so we sang a song in worship that said, I am no longer a slave to what? Fear. I'm a child of God. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, said that we shouldn't worry. And so, you know, one of the things that I like around my office is I like acronyms. And uh, if you've ever been in the military, you know that the military is kind of king of acronyms. And today I want to introduce in this message a new acronym into your life because we just need one more. There's always room for one more. In fact, in our, in our office, I wrote a book back in 2008 called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And so instead of everybody saying that all the time, we say I-W-B-N-I-N. That's the six letters. It's a good acronym. I don't know how to pronounce it. Like, I don't know. Um, I wrote another book for young people called What Everyone Should Know About Money Before They Enter the Real World. And for some reason, my entire office does not want to say that all the time. So they shortened it with an acronym. The first six words of that, what everyone should know about money, is WESCAM, W-E-S-K-A-M. They call it WESCAM. Makes life easier to say an acronym, as long as people know what the acronym is. So before I introduce this new acronym to your life, Um, because we all need just one more. I'm going to share some common ones that we may know. See if you know this one. Anybody know this one, what it stands for? Right? National Aeronautical and Space Administration. But we call it NASA because it's easier to say that. What about this one? The CIA. What's that stand for? Central Intelligence Agency. Okay. And a, a group related to that is this one. What's that stand for? Federal Bureau of Investigations. Okay, that's great. Let's go to some sports ones. There's some sports ones, right? What is this for football? Come on, football fans. Some yak. That's right. It's yards after the catch, right? Yards after catch. After they catch it, how many yards on average do they run? That's awesome. And uh, here's one for baseball fans. What's this stand for? Runs batted in. That's awesome. Get some ribbies, they call it. And then we have another one here. Uh, This is for our car enthusiasts. What's this? Miles per gallon, we like that to be up. I remember I used to have a car. You could literally hear it drink gas. It was awful. In fact, my dad's cars always did that. We had a 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale land yacht, right? And it just slurped gas. It was awesome. But now I drive a Honda CRV, and it's a gas sipper. I like it. Um, now, now, this next one uh, goes with that. It's miles per hour. 
And it turns out my gas zipper kind of doesn't have too many miles per hour, right? And then we have another one here before I show my new one. What's this? Pounds per square inch. And we learned that about our tires. We have to have the right PSI in there. So I've got a new one I want to introduce to you, and it's this one. DNW. So what, somebody said it. What's that stand for? That's right. Let's show it. Do not worry. We need some DNW. If you want to eliminate fear in your finances or in your life, we need to apply what Jesus has taught us and do not worry. And so I'm going to share three things that have helped me to stop worrying in my financial life and and keep it from having fear invade me because decisions birthed out of fear with your money will always lead you to less than stellar financial decision making. Guess when most people sell stocks in the stock market? When they're fearful and it's going down. That is that old wisdom, right? Buy high and sell low, right? That's how you go broke, right? The only person hurt in a roller coaster ride is the person who jumps off in the middle, right? And so it's very important, D-N-W, but it's hard if you're not rooted in the biblical teachings. And so I want to teach you some ways to not worry. And here's the first one. It's helped me greatly. It's to recognize that we become overwhelmed or fearful when our worry becomes uncontrolled. When worry gives birth to uncontrolled feelings, it leads to fear. And it leads to great issues with our finances. The issue is this. We can handle one financial decision at a time. But what if you have competing financial decisions? Then it can become uncontrolled. For example, we know we need to save money, but we also want to pay off debt. How do you do both? We know that we need to save money for our kids' college, but retirement is also approaching closer and closer, right? And our kids are younger than us. It turns out that's how that works, right? And it turns out that kids generally don't give money to the parents. Usually it's a one-way flow, right? It's currency. It's got a current, and it flows from us to them. And uh, some of us have 40-year-olds. It's still flowing that way. We need to stop that, right? I'm going to help you tonight. But here's the deal. It creates fear. And there's competing decisions. We know that God's Word says we should be givers and generous, but our car's making special sounds, right? And we're praying for it in the name of Jesus, for God to heal our car, right? And so those things tend to compete with each other, and if we're not careful, our worry will become uncontrolled, and it will cause great fear. And there's a couple things that have helped me greatly overcome this, and the first one is this. I hope you'll write this down. It's hugely helpful. You can take notes on your phone even. Get wise financial counsel. You need to have wise financial counsel in your life. And I, I want to speak to this because the truth is, most of us, watch this, are making our financial decisions alone. We don't have any wise financial counsel in our life. Now, now we might work together with our spouse, and that's a great place to start, but we need to get wise outside counsel in our life. Proverbs 15.22 says that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. But when we look at this thing called money, they call it personal finance, Because many of us, it's very personal, so we keep it close to us. And so we don't want to seek help, particularly when we're struggling. Let me explain. My name is Joe, and I have been very broke before. 
I had an average bank balance of $4.13 broke before. The truth is, most of the times during the month, I had less than zero. Has you ever been there? Overdraft is a wonderful friend, right? False, right? And so let me tell you the financial, brilliant financial decisions I've made without having wise financial counsel. Um, I went to college. I, I'm the youngest of six boys, but the first of six to go to college. Went to Purdue University and uh, studied mechanical engineering. And I'm not what they call a stellar student. I started dating Sally May to pay for my college. Zim, I know Sally May or her first cousin, Navient, or Federal Direct Loan, or any one of those student loan companies. Um, my parents said, you're on your own. And so I financed all my college education. Um, my first week in there, they said they'd give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. So I filled out all of them. Even though it's 26 years ago, I, it feels like it was yesterday. I mean, I sat down and I filled out the application. What is your name? Joseph Sangle. What is your job? I do not have one. What is your income? Zero dollars per year or week. Choose one. Right? I am broke. College students, right? And so I gave them the application. It took me about a minute. And they gave me free stuff. Yes. I got, watch this. I got a free two liter of Coca-Cola. That's good wages for a minute of my time. And it's way better than Pepsi. Get fired up. I mean, I like both, but Coke's better. And so, and watch this. I also got a free, free t-shirt from AT&T that advertised their long distance service. Some of you are very confused about what long distance service is, right? All the millennials are like totally confused right now. Listen, millennials, it used to cost some of us money to talk to someone on the other side of town. In fact, the truth be told, there are people here who got in big trouble with their parents for spending too much time talking long distance. Who got in trouble for talking too much on long distance? Right? That's right. Hands down. That's right. We're all old. That's great. So think about data. It's similar to data, millennials. And uh, I got a t-shirt about that. And then I also got a duffel bag from American Express um, and that I still use for hunting to this day. And so I admitted on paper I had no job and no income. Do you think they sent me a credit card? Yes. Because they know that college students have parents who typically take mercy on their kid's soul and bail them out. But they didn't know my parents who said, you're on your own. Figure it out. And so I, I started swiping, baby. Woo! And I didn't know that wisdom from that kid's show that says, swiper, no swiping. Come on, mama knows. Let's go. I know that we can do it, right? Let's get to it. Some of you don't know what's going on, but that's good wisdom for your credit card. But I swiped up, and I graduated in four years with a degree in mechanical engineering. And I graduated with special honors. Like, I, some of you graduated magna cum laude. I graduated, thank the laude, and got out of there, right? And so, I, listen, you talk about fear. My first week, my first semester at Purdue, I had to take physics 152 class. Let me tell you the blessing of Physics 152. It was what they call the weed out class. This is where they fail out half the students. And let me tell you how bad it was. I took this test and I sat down and they put the test in front of me. And I not only didn't know what the question was, was, was like asking, I didn't even know what the question meant. And fear overtook me. I began to worry greatly. In fact, I left that exam 
and I got my results, and I got a 24%, a 24 out of 100. And so I was walking campus aimlessly, worrying, fearful. Oh, man, I'm going to have to choose a new major now. And I saw a sign that says, feel bad about yourself, feel great about yourself, donate blood. So I did. I donated blood for the first time in my life. They screwed it up, punctured my vein, and I passed out. I woke up 13 hours later with a swollen arm. It was awesome. And then I found out that on the curve, a 24 was a C. That's awesome. And I got lots of Cs. I had a 2.64 GPA when I graduated. It's awesome. And so, listen, I graduated, and I have been driving a 1981 Datsun B210. And it had... Uh, let's see, it had lots of issues. The rear end had snapped off its frame. It wiggled like a fish down the road. The driver's side door would not latch. It was tied shut with clothesline. The dash had fell in my lap. It was also tied up with clothesline. My battery holders had rusted off. It was tied down with bailing wire. And it had caught on fire not once, but twice. Oh, and there's holes in the passenger side floorboard, so I had a piece of plywood there. So do you agree with me I needed a different car? Please say yes. But I wanted a new car, so guess what I done did? I went and bought a new car. I even financed a sales tax. And then I'm, I asked my college sweetheart to marry me, and I put the engagement ring, the wedding ring, the wedding, and the honeymoon to Jamaica all on the credit card, for real. And then I moved to South Carolina with a job transfer, and I, uh, I, I bought a house, and that was dead of another size, and then I bought furniture, 24 months, same as cash. And there's no one right now saying, I perceive Joe to be a brilliant financial manager. No one. And I got myself broke, and I did it all because I lacked counsel. So I sought counsel. And let me tell you, here's my guiding principles on my counsel. One, I I felt like they should love Jesus because I wanted them to come at it from a biblical perspective. I wanted them to at least like me. Number three, they needed to be available to meet with me. Number four, I didn't want them always transferring money from my pocket to their pocket, trying to sell me something all the time. And the fifth thing is, I required that they were also winning with their money God's way. Right? Because let me tell you, everybody will have an opinion about your money. But if they broke, you know, get counsel about some other topic from them, not financial wisdom. And get wise counsel. Listen, who do you trust? It's tough, right? But when you get counsel in your life, It will start to eliminate worry, and you can share things with them. They can give you wise advice and help you eliminate fear from your finances. The second thing that helped me is to increase my financial knowledge. You must increase your financial knowledge. God's Word talks more about the topic of money and possessions than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined. Why? Because of what Jesus said. You cannot serve both God and money. And he knew that our heart was connected to it, so he wanted to give us great wisdom for it. So start by increasing your knowledge by reading God's word. Read books. Take classes. And as you get this knowledge in you, this word of the Lord in you, it can help you greatly. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, great wisdom. It says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Deep thoughts by Solomon. But then he adds a tagline, Though it cost you $4, get understanding. Is that what it says? Though it cost you $10,000. What's it say? Though it cost 
all you have, get understanding. Hey, did college cost you all you had? What were you paying for? Wisdom. And so you got to be willing to invest in yourself. What you do not know about money can absolutely have a profound negative impact on you financially and create great fear and cause great worry. And so I started to invest in this stuff, and here's what I found is investing in reading of God's Word helped me combat the lies of Satan. Because let me tell you, the, Satan wants to keep you broke. You have an enemy. We have a common enemy. And if he can keep you broke, he can keep you from living generously, he can keep you living selfishly, and keep you from moving towards God's call in your life. And, and you will hear these lies. Let's see if you know, recognize any of these lies. Have you heard these? I can't win with money. Have you heard that one? Well, you defeat that by reading Jeremiah 29, 11 back to him. Every lie Satan tells you, money lie, repeat back God's word to him. Jeremiah 29, 11, help me, y'all. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And, and when he says, we can't save money, we just can't save money, you can't save money, Repeat back Proverbs 21, 20 that says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I'm going to save money. I can't prosper if I don't save. When he says, don't invest because you might lose money and fear creeps in, repeat back Proverbs 13, 11 that says, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Every time he says a lie, repeat back God's word. This one is a terrible lie. It is from the pit of hell. My parents left me with nothing. I'll just leave my kids with nothing. I'm not going to leave them inheritance. I will spend it all up. You repeat back and say that is us from the author of lies. Proverbs 13, 22 says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. It goes all the way to the grandchildren. But a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. When you say I can't get out of debt, repeat back Proverbs 22, 7 that says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower servant to the lender and Romans 13 8 that says let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law when you hear the thing that says I can't afford to give you can't afford to give you repeat back Malachi 3 10 when it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house says the Lord Almighty it says test me in this and see if I not throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough to receive it and when Satan feeds you lies you repeat back the word of the Lord it will defeat him every time let me tell you something the reason I'm able to repeat that it's not on a screen here it's not on a screen back of this room it's because I've chosen to invest to put God's word in my heart because it says I've put your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. And if you want to overcome fear and you want to overcome the lies of the enemy, put it in your heart. Get this knowledge. Get fired up. Woo! And let me tell you, we go to the acronym, get some DNW in your life. Say it with me. Ready? Do not worry. Knowledge, counsel will help you. The second one that I want to share with you has helped me a lot. As we become overwhelmed and fearful... When we face something where we can't see a way to overcome it, the obstacles, the challenges, or the concerns ahead of us. Let me tell you something. The first time you're exposed, this is, this is an ongoing challenge, actually. Here's why. Your concerns change over time. Let me tell you, broke people. There's some broke people in this room, sure of it. Sure of it. Is there at least one broke person in the room? I've been broke. 
I'm broke, broke. Like, look, look, broke in the dictionary, my face, right? You're broke right now. You're fearful, right, of not, not having enough. And will you ever get ahead? But watch this. You think that more money will solve your problems. No, it'll just change. When you started investing zero dollars, right, you got $25 a month going that 401k. You prayed it would do something. Now watch this. It grows. Now you have 100 grand in your retirement account. Your worry changes. God, don't let me lose it. Right? Doesn't it? And then you go into navigating retirement, and will it be enough? And if you're not careful, worry and fear will dominate your life, all of your life, regardless of where your status is financially. And you may not be able to see your way over it, but the way that we overcome this is to do this, testify. you got to testify. The way you overcome fear, the way you overcome worry, is to testify. And what is testimony, really? Testimony is saying, what has God done for me in the past? It's a reminder that God is faithful. Watch this. This is so good. I, I like investing. I think it's really good. Um, it's biblical. It's the way that you can fund crazy dreams. It's the way you can be outrageously generous. And investing, it matters. And, and the SIP and the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, makes all these investment advisors say this this disclaimer, you've seen it, right? Fidelity, BlackRock, Franklin Templeton, American Funds, all the commercials. At the very end, they'll say in about 1,000 words a second, they'll say, past performance doesn't in, is not indicative future results may lose money. Have you heard that? Yeah, it's, it's a great statement, right? They basically say for 29 seconds, we are amazing. Invest all of your money with us. Trust us. We are phenomenal, but it may not work. Don't blame us. That's what they say in the last second. But here's, here's God's statement that is the opposite of the SIPC, SEC. Is God's past performance is his best indicator of his future performance. And you, my friend, can take that to the bank. Get fired up. He is a faithful God. He is ever-present, always with you, past, present, and future. And you got to testify. In Revelation, it shows the power of your testimony. It says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, but through Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. Everybody say testify. Let me tell you something. They can argue, listen, your friends, they can argue with lots of things. They can argue with God's word. They can argue with you saying what God has done in your life. But the one thing they cannot argue with is your testimony, your story. And, and that is powerful. You sharing your testimony of what God has done in your life. So let me testify what God has done in my life. I was broke. I've told you. Average bank balance, $4.13. This moment happened where I experienced what I call an IHHE moment, and I have had enough moment. And we, we said, you know what? We're going to start to apply God's word to our finances. We started putting God first, saving money, investing, planning the rest. We put together a budget, and then we did something crazy. We followed it. Stunning, right? And, and it changed our life. And we got out of debt except for our house in 14 months at the age of 38. Ten years and a month later, we paid off our house. And it was unbelievable what God did in our life. And, you know, we started going up and being able to fund these dreams God had called us to do. And I got to go into full-time ministry. And I negotiated a 50% pay cut. Woo! Laying up my treasure in heaven, right? How could I celebrate a 50% pay cut? We had eliminated the debt out of our life. And so we can still prosper on less. 
And let me tell you, the enemy was not happy that we were moving into the direct center of God's call in our life. So we started having some obstacles show up, some obstacles, right? And uh, those obstacles started showing up because he's like, I'm going to try to attack them. And let me tell you, they started showing up. And, you know, I, I, bought, I, I bought a money pit house. Anybody bought a money pit house? Oh, come on, somebody. It was awesome. I got to live this, man. My heat pump died on the, on the hottest day of the year. Isn't that awesome? Got to put the equivalent of a Hawaiian vacation on the side of my house. Exactly where I wanted to spend money, right? In my high school yearbook, I wrote, in 20 years, I'm going to be buying an air conditioner. Very exciting, right? And then six months later, the upstairs was unit, unit was jealous, so it died too. And then my hot water heater died. Anybody been there? And then I had to tear off all the walls in our house down to the studs because we had all these issues in this house we had bought. I got to look at studs and the floors torn up and they were rotted, replaced them. And then the back of my house, the slope was like a 0-12 pitch, a 0-12, which means it leaked, but only when it rained. And so we had to tear off our roof. And when I say tear off the roof, I don't mean shingles. I mean the rafters, all of it. And it's just blue, right? And we prayed it would stay blue till we got a new one on there, right? And so all these challenges, and, and then we have been in this infertility journey. We, we had had a child, and my wife had ovarian tumors after that, and God healed my wife, but it maxed out the insurance deductible, and 10 months later, they recurred, and we had to have the surgery again, and max out the deductible again, and for, for about seven years, we had tried for another child, and the doctor said, it's not possible to do all these surgeries and complications, and maybe in vitro might work, but not really. And, but how much does in vitro cost? And they said 18,500 bucks. And it was our dream. So we saved up over four years, 18,500 bucks. And in January of 2009, went through the in vitro journey. And many of you know people who've been through this and know how draining it is spiritually, emotionally, financially. Uh, but we paid cash for it and God said no. And so we embarked upon the, the, the journey with our one daughter, so grateful for her. She was nine and and about that time, the economy, the 401ks had turned into a box as a special K. And I'd wrote this book, I Was Broken, I'm Not. And I felt God calling us to take this message to the nations. And so we stepped off a staff at our church and we had to go get our own insurance. And to save money, I canceled the maternity insurance. You know what we found out 16 days later, right? 16 days later, we found out we were pregnant. Get fired up. And so you know what? I did not allow fear to enter my life. I said, Lord, if you provided the money to not have a child, I'm believing you'll provide the money so that when we leave this hospital, we will not owe anyone. And on February 6, 2010, as my beloved Indianapolis Colts got throttled by Purdue's Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, I didn't care because I held my baby boy and he left that hospital without a shirt saying the hospital owns me. I'm here to testify. And then I got maternity insurance again because God opened up the floodgates and we got an overflow blessing with another baby girl. And let me tell you something. We had challenge after challenge, but God was there every step of the way and I give him all the glory and all the credit and all the honor. And let me tell you, whenever you encounter the challenge in your life, Point Satan to the past of how God has been present every step of the way because you will overcome. How? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Get fired up, somebody. Woo! I'm telling you right now. I'll finish with this one. This helped me a lot too. We become financially overwhelmed or fearful when we take our eyes off of God. You must keep your eyes upon the Lord. 
at the moment you, you feel fear, ask yourself the question, am I relying and trusting on me and man, or am I trusting in my provider? And here's what I would tell you. Provision and people, they will always fail you. Only the provider will not. Trust the provider, not the provision. And we see what Jesus shares here as he completes this statement in verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the fires of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So say these three words with me. Let's go. Do not worry, saying, what shall we, what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, say it, do not worry, DNW, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And you know, as I was preparing this message, and I felt the Lord lead me to this passage of scripture that Jesus shared, I was reminded of my youth. That my mother, when she had, she had six boys in a row, man, and the last two, we were twins. I have an identical twin. And so she just started praying without ceasing and basically had us in church about every day of the week. In fact, I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night was youth service, and she recommended we go. And they taught us scripture, and it was great. And they had us learn one scripture from each of the books of the New Testament, all 27 books, starting with Matthew. And as I looked at this passage of scripture the Lord led me to, this is the verse, the first verse I ever learned, Matthew 6, 34. But I learned it in the King James Version that said, Take ye therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Get fired up. Woo! <laughs> and you know what? Every week they would add a new verse in the next book. And I always had to start with this one. And I believe that it has had a profound impact on the way I view life. I am accused constantly of being an optimist. And I sit there and I say, guilty. I don't know of anyone, it, like a defeated Christian life is an oxymoron. We should of all people be the most optimistic. And so I choose to live life saying God will provide. He has provided in the past. He's provided right now. I believe he'll be there in the future. How about you? Amen. Amen? And so do not worry DNW, apply it to your life. It will eliminate great fear. And I'll finish with this verse here at 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and then a quick tip, six words that will help you. And there's this great thing Paul wrote, and he talks about giving. He's viewing giving as investing. And it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And I like to add to this that says, and he who sows nothing will also reap nothing. Think about the farmer of the field. They know that there is risk when they put seed in the ground, but they choose to do it anyhow because they know there is zero chance of a harvest without investing. And so let me finish with six words that have helped me win with my money God's way. And it's a financial roadmap. And the first word is give. Everybody say give. 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 Can you give? Absolutely. It's a season of giving we're entering into. Thanksgiving. And we enter into the Christmas season where God gave his only son. We celebrate that. 
It is in our nature. We are created in the image of God. So giving, that's why that compels us and moves us so much. I encourage you, if you've never put God first in your finances through giving, do so. It changed my life. I don't know how it works that I give the first 10% and God blesses the other 90% to where it went way farther than when I used all 100%. All I know is I'm one witness to testify that that is the case for me. And the second word is save. Hear me on this. You cannot prosper if you do not save. It's an impossibility. You just can't do it. Like there's no wealthy person on earth who has no money. You must save some money. Savings allows you to have margin so you can live life on a mission. And you can save money. The third word is invest. Investing, what I've seen is it allows God to put his unbelievable, powerful hand upon it. And if I look at math, there are really four major operators we learn. And this investing one is huge, right? Think about this. In, in class, in elementary school, they teach you four. You start with addition, right? Then subtraction, then multiplication, and division. Is that right? Am I right? Okay. I went to Purdue. I got a 2.64, but I think that's right. Watch this. I've seen that primarily Satan chooses to subtract and divide us. God tends to add and multiply. If you want multiplication to happen, you must invest. Even if it's sparingly, watch what it does when God puts his hand on it. It's incredible. And the final one, three words, plan the rest. In fact, if you say it right, it'll almost rhyme. Give, save, invest, plan the rest. Will you say it with me? Let's go. Give, save, invest, plan the rest. You can do that. And this is a biblical plan and think about this. Can you automate your giving? Yeah, you can. Can you automate your saving? Yes. Can you automate your investing? Hallelujah, you can. Can you automate your exercise? Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? You wake up and your body's climbing off a treadmill and you've went six miles? That'd be awesome. I want that. Right? But in, while we work on that, automating that, um, you can automate those three things. And, and let me tell you, the final part, this is the diligence, self-control. If you've accepted Christ in your life, his fruit of the Spirit is within you. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, self-discipline, and that's where you have to activate it to plan the rest. And here's what I would tell you. If you do these things each and every month, you will live a life with far less worry, with far less fear when it relates to your finances, and you, my friend, will prosper. And when God does it, will you be faithful to make sure you give him all the credit, all the glory, and all the honor? I have to, because I know the me without it. Man, I hope you'll attend the financial learning experience at the West location on Sunday night at 5.30. It'll be at the East location on Monday night at 6 o'clock. We'll teach how to have a budget, how to get debt-free, how to save money, how to plan for retirement. We'll talk about the current economic times. And all the tools are free. The event is free. And bring your friends, bring your family. We'd love to be able to serve each and every one of them. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for every single life that is represented within the sound of my voice. God, I know that this topic of finances can be fraught with great fear, trepidation, God, but ultimately fear is rooted in the unknown.
And it's rooted in a lack of trust in you. God, I pray today you would help us to trust you completely. God, I pray that you would help us to seek you for your call in our life. And when you reveal it to us, God, may we trust you that you would be the provider every step of the way. As Paul has written about you, that in all things, at all times, we will have everything that we need so that we can abound in good work. And that through our generosity, God, may it do this. May it result in thanksgiving to you. Jesus, we're so grateful that you died in an ultimately outrageous act of generosity. You gave your one and only life that we might be able to be set free. Yet you paid a debt of sin that we could never repay. That we could live a life of freedom. That wherever your spirit is, Lord, there would be liberty. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.